0: Welcome, it's uh, Monday, 9-26-2016, and uh, some really bad news in the baseball world, and that's what we're going to start off with. Um, Doug Jose Fernandez is no longer with us, and uh, it's it's a tragedy in the real world, it's a tragedy in the baseball world. We are two goons who are probably not qualified to talk about it very much, but we need to. It's important, so let's try to.
1: Yeah, um, Jose Jose Fernandez. Not to say that any young the death of any young player wouldn't hurt. You know, when Oscar Tavares died uh, two years ago, that was that was really bad too, and he was younger than than Fernandez is now. But Fernandez was everything you want from a baseball player. He had he had an amazing story backstory where he tried to escape Cuba four times. Uh, he he just had this infectious joy on the field. He was incredible to watch. He was just this electric kind of presence on the field. He, you could see him in the dugout laughing and having fun every day. He was at the park and it's, it really is just heartbreaking to lose him.
0: Uh, Just more with his story in terms of escaping, you know, his mother went overboard. They're on a small boat making their way and he dove into the water to save her. He was separated from his grandmother for so long because of the escape um, and, and coming over here and he finally got to, she finally got to see him pitch in person and and he had he cared about the game on top of that i think a part that kind of adds in to all of this is you know i think we forget because they do make a lot of money and i'm saying we as in you people not me but like <laughs> that that they don't care about the game but i think they all do and i think they do to varying degrees but he seemed to be You know, I think all the behavioral stuff that got thrown on him was this misunderstanding. It wasn't a misunderstanding. It was sort of like willful ignorance. He's, he was, he's a young guy. He's, he died at 24. The, the stuff with Chris Johnson, I think he was 21, 22, um, you know, when he hit his first home run and you know, he's having fun. He's full of life. He's full of energy. Don't we all wish we could feel like what it felt like to be 22 and 23 and, especially being on sort of near the top of, of a profession of 700 plus people that you're playing against on any given day, you're like in the top 15 of those people, you know, that's pretty amazing when you're that age and his energy was directed towards the game. It wasn't like it was off field stuff. It wasn't like he was engaging in, in stuff that was untoward. It was on the field and it was exciting and, and his talent, you know, Hall of Fame, you want to talk about, you know, you show see all that promise right up front. Um, and you just wonder, you know, it's this that's where the baseball sadness comes in. But in, he's touched every life that, you know, that has had the fortune of meeting him from the sounds of it. Don Mattingly, a robot, uh, broke into tears talking about him yesterday. And, you know, you think about him with Giancarlo Stanton. You, you just thought as a baseball fan, that's going to be exciting for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just this incredible loss that he, he, was, he was
1: unique. He was a special person. He was a special presence. And, you know, I, I, would, I was never going to meet him. There was no situation in which we were going to be friends. But it still hurts to lose him, which is a mark of just, I think, who he was.
0: Yeah and I I mean we we need to talk about him because everyone should but you know this is this is the importance of of life that we get one life and to make the most of it and there are people who are important to us and there's people we take for granted in this world and it's hard we all have our own stuff going on all the time but you know, the Dr. Seuss quote, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened applies to people too. You know, we're talking, you know, Vince Scully's on his way out the door. Look at, you know, we have decades, literally decades of memories with him. Um, You know, and I would say that he's someone that people appreciated every day he was around, especially as his legend, you know, basically the last 30 years when he's already a legendary broadcaster Uh, you know, your nieces, your friends, your cousins, your, your significant others, whatever it is, it's, it sounds trite, but every day, five seconds even of a- appreciating who they are and what you have because they're in your life is a big deal, I think. And then, you know, that's something to think about. That's my message to everyone. So, uh, he was, a uh, he was a, uh, I mean, let's just focus on the talent for a second, too. I mean that fastball slider combination <laughs> is is hard to match. Pedro Martinez said like that guy is the most talented guy since me <laughs> and and i I'm sure Pedro Martinez was going to say that to somebody at some point, but he saved it for Jose Fernandez, and you know nasty guy never wanted to face him um and but at the same time, it was always that that appreciation of, you know, the Giants, they had him on the ropes. The, I think the last time they faced him and yeah, they the, didn't win that game. But, you they,
1: know, no, they did. That was the Brandon oh, okay. Crawford. Seven that's,
0: that's right. That was the game. They had the lead and then they blew it and then they had to do all the yeah. comeback stuff. That's what happened. But they got to him. And it, it's sort of – it's like a miracle already at, at the age that he was at and rec- coming back from Tommy John. and all, Remember that when he had Tommy John surgery? It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was like a day of mourning for baseball.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was, what are we going to do without him for, for a year?
0: Uh, and then the the – if you haven't seen it, if you're not on Twitter a lot – and you're listening to the show. First of all, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, wow. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, there's a gif that's been around for years now of Troy Tulowitzki, maybe only a couple of years, because I think it was right after Jose Fernandez came back. I could be wrong. Um, but it, Troy Tulowitzki when he was still with the Ros- Rockies, he lined out to Jose Fernandez. But Jose Fernandez just kind of like, bloop. He like tossed his glove up and just snatched it out of the air real fast. And Troy Tulowitzki looks at him and he goes, Did you catch that? And Jose Fernandez is <laughs> just nodding with the a grin going from ear to ear and he's nodding, going, Yes, yes I did and he's walking away. And then Troy T- then that cuts back in this gif and Troy Tulowitzki's like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And he was like, you could tell Fernandez was even impressed by himself that he caught it. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I caught it. <laughs> it I it
0: did. Was, yeah, it was that moment he had to. He knew he had to play it cool, though. So it was that excited playing it cool, like he couldn't yeah. just like pretend like, oh yeah, no big deal. He's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know, we take the take the time. There's so many there there as baseballs become even more vertically integrated or corporatized or whatever it is. Um, and I think for, for the most part, it's great. But, you know, it personalities have sort of been suppressed or, marge, you know, I guess very bland and, and static for lots of reasons, not just the corporatization. I think the fact that these guys are basically athletes year-round training, you know, they're not They're – they're just very focused all the time. And here is a guy, he – like Bryce Harper, for example, you know, they were part of this crop of – they were young players, kind of making it in before they had sort of been assimilated by the baseball <laughs> Borg hive mind of how to be and how to play the game a certain way. Um, very buttoned up in Matt Williams, like cracker. I mean, like a like a plain white cracker, like <laughs> just like right. nothing, tasteless. The and and you know he was exciting and and it's it's I'm kind of leaning into the shock. Of just like talking about him and and hopefully and also like Nick Aidenhart, there's another young player. You know, when these things happen, it's just very shocking. Corey Lytle, you know, anytime these things happen. But you know, what separates Jose Fernandez was like he was here, like we were we were seeing it, um, and and now it's it's gone. So. Um, I don't like saying rest in peace for people who have actually died because I feel like rest in peace is an incredibly trite thing to say. But, you know, Jose Fernandez, you'll be missed, and obviously many people care about you. And if some of them are somehow listening to this, uh, know that you're in my thoughts, and uh, and and I'm glad we got to see him. Yeah, I it
1: it, it hurts to have lost him, but at some point we will— God, this is going to be so trite Also, but at some point we will recognize how lucky we were to have watched him.
0: Yeah, and and exposing Chris Johnson and Brian McCann for the pieces of garbage they are <laughs> is fantastic. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: without without Jose Fernandez, even without all the rest of it, we people might still have a positive opinion of Brian
0: McCann as a person. <laughs> So that, Nelson, <laughs> that dead is incalculable. But it was a good, like, underscore of like, no, Tro- Troy Tulewitzki a cool guy. Right. That was also a good affirmation there. Um, and he was beloved by Barry Bonds as well, which if <laughs> you can get Barry Bonds to like you, you're like just good. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to change gears to something that doesn't matter at all. You know what I'm talking about, Doug. Are you talking about the Giants? That's right, Doug. The San Francisco Giants of twenty sixteen are literally meaningless. They mean nothing.
1: They they mean nothing. Yeah. Um they are playing five hundred ball over their last uh twelve Four games. games. <laughs> twelve games, no, all the way back. Just keep it going. Keep it yeah. rolling. Yeah. Uh but they're bad.
0: Yeah. They have it's six the thing. They have six games remaining. Uh, If you didn't hear and you're listening to us for news again, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, thanks. They did not win the National League West for the fourth year in a row, which to some degree doesn't really matter, given that we are in a wild card era. But the Giants did have an eight game lead in the NL West uh, and the Dodgers were without Clayton Kershaw for like six weeks. And they have varying degrees of ineffectiveness and injury to their enti- literally their entire pitching staff and their lineup and they are walking away with the West, which to me is a very giant season that they had the Dodgers. <laughs> um, right. And I, and I think it's pretty interesting that the Dodgers emergency backups, basically the third on the depth chart in a lot of, cases are like extraordinarily better than the Giants main roster, which has been basically intact. And especially in the second half Um, that the Dodgers are just far and away better. And the Giants at full strength are not as good as the Dodgers triple a team that really smacked them around this weekend.
1: Well, well, let's, let's be honest here. It's not the Dodgers triple a team. The Dodgers bought 400 perpetually injured players, with the thought that at some point, 25 of them would be healthy enough to be on the roster. And they and were right. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but you but, know, the yeah. 40 innings they got from Brandon McCarthy were pretty good. And yeah. then they moved on to the next guy.
0: Yeah. they uh, the, the five starts that they extracted from Bud Norris, not great. But they got that one good start from him, which was helpful because a win yeah. is a win. Uh, but again, the Giants at full strength, the top of their road, you know, the top of their depth charts. Not as good as the Dodgers' occasional starters, but certainly a guy like what Toles. um, you know, Puig wasn't even in the lineup, you know, for most of the time. But then when he was, he was just good against the Giants. You know, uh, Yasmani Grandal, in and out of effectiveness. You know, they better than the Giants. Also, the Padres' AAA team better than the Giants. So that's yes. something to think about. <laughs> here here Brian, I have a question for you. Okay. Are the Giants done? No, Doug, the Giants are not done.
1: Okay, I have another question for you. Are What's the Giants that? done?
0: Yes, Doug, the Giants are done.
1: So I made Brian, so I promised <laughs> on Brian's behalf on Twitter that if a movie he's working on, Recollection, uh won a won a poll that uh he would say the Giants weren't done. So that's <laughs> what we just did. But the Giants
0: are done. <laughs> they are done. They're cooked. Um, they have six games left. Again, as I said, they all at home, which you'd think would be great. But uh, in the second half, the Giants are 11 and 18 at home. Um, they don't really win series anymore. And so they're not in a position to split, which they, they do maybe a little bit more, but mostly they just lose. Um, the Rockies have played them tough. They're eight and eight against the Rockies. And then they've got the Dodgers coming in. And you know the Dodgers want to knock the Giants out of the playoffs if the Giants are still somehow in there. Yeah, uh, no, they do. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it. if we go back since our last Croncast and we look at all the games that happened, I feel like there's some question marks there. And I wonder what's going on because I think the general criticism – Uh, When I tried to get up there for the game against St. Louis on Friday the 16th, what I was hearing was, you know, Bochy in the bullpen, he's struggling with those matchups. Well, no one in the bullpen can get guys out at the right time. We've talked about this many times. Oh, Garen's good this time, but he's not good when we need him to be good. (laughs) They're all really good in like the seventh and eighth inning. Yeah. And then they're all just disasters in the ninth. So the bullpen, you know, and Derek Law, since he's come back, he's been untrustworthy. And and so, but then this gets into sort of the bigger issues. So I'll start small. Derek Law comes back. He gets pushed into the closer role or late inning relief guy. And he clearly doesn't look like he has it. And so he kind of, he blows it. And now he tumbles all the way down to, let's just find an inning for him where he can be confident. And in yesterday's game, he's, he's relieving Ty Block in the fourth inning. Which is fine, I understand that. But then you have like Hunter Strickland has a bad closing experience and now he's not closing. Like he's nowhere near the ninth inning. Santiago Casilla keeps coming back for the ninth inning. Joe (laughs) Nathan, you know, Joe Nathan had a bad ninth inning and he has not really had come even close to closing out games again. Romo has been shaky, but Romo's been sort of now the guy that they're gonna go to, it looks like, which I think is fine. But, it's, but then this gets into my idea of, you know, Bochy publicly stated, I am not taking Pagan out for late inning defense. Gorky Hernandez is a better defender at center in center and in left. He's probably the best outfielder def, outfield defender out of all the Giants defenders actually right now. And we can maybe talk about Hunter Pence. But, you know, he's not coming into the game late. You know, Gregor Blanco, nowhere to be found coming in late in, into the game. You know, Denard Spann still leading off games because, you know, when he goes one for 30, that one is a home run. But so that somehow justifies leaving him at the top of the order. Angel Pagan, we have talked about. We like him. He's had a decent season, but he's kind of fallen into a a shallow grave. Uh, Brandon Belt's in. he's like eight feet under. Uh, and so now he's disappeared. But it it's weird that Bochi has really the fault. I feel like he has relied on Bochi's guys. He's he's done he's Vinny Castilla the last month of the season, uh, in in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's almost as big a issue as the bullpen buttons he's pressing not really being connected to anything electrically. You know, I was trying <laughs> to finish off that button analogy, but I feel like the guys thing hasn't worked out. And then I feel like. It's there. I don't think you can deny that he's very big on his guys. I think that that is very telling then, my last bigger point, that Madison Bumgarner can't pitch deep into games anymore. And it's the second year in a row where that's been the case. And last year they were willing to come out and say, we think the innings have caught up with him. And this year it's a little more amorphous. Although, yeah, losing his mind on uh, Yasiel Puig for daring to run by him and then Blowing a six nothing lead to the Padres, I really think it's not amorphous. I think it's pretty clear that Madison Bumgarner has been wearing down, and something's wrong. And he's not he can't go a full season uh, pitching near uh, you know pitching like an ace, which is strange. I don't know how to explain that. Um, I mean, you know, you look at that that little blow up, which was stupid. I think
1: we can we can go on record as saying Madison Bumgarner is being stupid there. Incredibly stupid. Incredibly stupid fantastic uh but i would say that that might have been more of a product of frustration about the way the team was playing and the way that he wasn't doing as much as he could because you know he keeps he keeps giving up two runs when the other guy gives up one or his you know three saturday sunday his last start his last start saturday one saturday uh he you know he gave up five runs in six innings and that's just not good enough but it's not it might not be that he's breaking down it might be that he's a giant and all the giants suck they really and, do <laughs> and you know he feels more pressure and he puts more pressure on himself and to try to carry the team and you can't carry this team this team is uncarryable. this team is you know you try to put them in a bag and they're like poking holes in the bag and climbing out and I don't know, throwing stuff all over the floor and then tripping on it because they're idiots. That yeah. they're just, as a whole, they're just not that good. And I think some of that Puig bloke was frustration about that because, you know, he does, Bumgarner does blow up at people for no reason. So I could be kind of projecting my own frustrations with the team, but he was very angry. Uh, ap- even after he came out, you could yeah. tell that he was seething in the dugout, which, you know, I understand, especially when the Giants lost that game. It wasn't that fun, but oof, it's it's such a rough season that it's at some point you can almost see them giving up hope.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's what's happened. I mean, the Giants are completely lifeless. The ball sounds like it's a wet fart off the bat. Um, they there's no life or energy to this entire team. This is where it gets tricky because uh, it. I think it's easy for fans, and I'm going to include myself in this, to have to want to make some sort of moral judgment about the players. Ah, they've given up. They're millionaires. They don't care. But I think a baseline thing uh, is that all these people are playing for pride, and they've basically been rolling in shit for the last yeah. th- three months, and they're an embarrassment. They should be totally embarrassed. And so you have to accept that on some level they are not happy with what's happening, but it's not it's not that it's not motivating to do anything. I think the more the easiest explanation is they're motivated, they can't do anything. Which to me is a bigger problem than then they don't feel like there's something morally off with them or they're not they're not invested in the outcome of the team. Like I think them trying and failing is like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, and and so there is no Michael Morris to fire him up. Hunter Pence's speeches, whatever it is, there's it's not happening. Nothing's coming together. There's seeming I would say that it's not disarray. They're just here's my thought of the Giants. They're just white noise. Like all the players, like you look at their faces, you hear them talk whenever they do say anything noteworthy. It's just white noise, not because they're not saying they're just dead. There's just nothing there. There's no signal. There's no intention with what's going on. They're not playing for anything. I think that's kind of maybe uh, something. You know, the Dodgers have Vin Scully going away. They have Dave Roberts in his first season. Maybe Puig's got something to prove. Or the fact that these these guys can win a division, like just put it on their credit card, and they've got the division, but it doesn't mean anything. So maybe they've got a little chip on their shoulder. And the Giants are a combination of our talent is bad now. Like, we've, we've gotten bad because we're older. And we don't, we've won three in six years or three in seven years. So what are we playing for? And, you know, getting humiliated by the Dodger, getting humiliated by so many teams in the second half, I think it does just have that numbing effect, right? And, and all these teams are doing a great job of not, like, rubbing it in the Giants' faces to fire them up. <laughs> Which right. something the Dodgers could have done. Like Puig could have said after the game, like he's just upset because his team is a piece of garbage and he sucks. You know, like whatever it is, he could have said something to go on the bulletin board like Brandon Belt has in the past. But, you know, there's nothing. There's no lightning rod. There's nothing to rally around. Nothing. The teams are not – the other teams are not giving them anything. They're doing the thing of just saying, like, you're garbage and we're beating you, and they're just doing it by the results.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean there there really is just absolutely nothing for them to grab onto is you know, here's our inspiration, here's where we're gonna turn it around, here's where we're gonna be the team that we know we can be. I don't think they know they can be that team. I don't know that they can be that team. Can they really win? Does anyone think like even even if the, the Cardinals or Mets collapse hard enough for the Giants to get in the wild card game, which let's be honest is a possibility. Like, let's not overstate how good those teams are. But even if that happens, then what? Can this team really beat anyone in the playoffs? They can't beat anyone in the regular season.
0: Yeah. I mean, in twenty fourteen they kinda had Brian Stowe. Oh I mean, bit. I'm just a little bit. They had Michael Morris, I still feel like is sort of the bigger thing. They had the whole Daniel Bryan stuff and uh um, Right. Yeah, they did. They had the yes movement. So they had something to kind of glom onto and to go on to, to kind of build it all up. And this year is like Bochi's heart <laughs> Bust, Buster's commercials. Um, and I'm not saying like that's going, that's the thing. It's just like a touchstone, something to go to when things are a little rough or to amp up those few thing, few times when something good happens because every team's going to have losing streaks. We all know that. But uh, you know, if you have nothing to go to when times are dark, or if you have nothing good that you can kind of amp up, that, that's what baseball players. That's the superstition of baseball is making something out of nothing. And the di- the Giants are just like, well, we we are nothing. Yeah, so they are got a, nothing part <laughs> down. Yeah, so they took a very Brian Murphy approach to doing things, and that's saying like, I am nothing. I can't turn that into something. It's literally nothing. And they they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs and doing nothing um so i i guess i kind of want to spin that into a little bit um well i mean this is the end of the window i mean they did a good job with the window they won three the window, the window was great i think it's okay uh, everyone listening to sit there and be be real with yourselves that that the window is probably over but even the bigger thing I feel like the, the, the stuff I'm coming across on McCovey Chronicles, on Twitter, on the radio, whatever it is, is that there's like people aren't just wanting to admit that they're bad. Like they're just thinking it's some sort of, oh, it's, it's a cluster luck or it's small sample or, you know, I don't know what it is, just shrugging. But they were good in the first half. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like you just got to admit that they're bad they're just because they've been they have been it's worse than bad luck at this point in the sec, like we're beyond the point of luck and if you're saying it's luck then really all successes and failures in baseball and probably in life are just luck is all you're saying because they've been bad for really 25 and 41 in the second half not they've won like they've literally won 3 or 4 series out of 21 that's not luck that's that's what bad teams do so and I, I try i tend to think about when you look at look back at teams any sport or your own life how about that what, what you, you might be nice in your day-to-day thing and you might get along well but you still ultimately we're all defined by certain moments certain instances things that happen to you and whatever it is, bad luck, good luck, and that's what it is that starts to define you. So I'm going to limit it just to the 2016 team and separate it from the rest of the, the the run here and just say this is a bad team. They're Okay, yes, they've won more games than they've lost. Great. Okay, that's they can still be a bad team because the way that they they're, – like they're going to end the season, Doug, probably the worst team in baseball in, in the second half. Right? Yeah. No, that's, so, that's very likely. So to me, if I was anywhere in the Bay Area, <laughs> or, you know, this is, again, here's the thing I would think that they could rally around. It's kind of like the, the dummies who carry the proudly the banner of we're the deplorables, but really just the Giants are the worst. They enter the 2017 season the worst team in baseball because just like they were the world champions, they ended the season on top. They're ending the season on the bottom. Oh, but their first half. Well, we don't know if that first half was a fluke or not. It kind of feels like it was at this point. So that to me is the rallying cry. How did the Giants improve from being the best, te- the worst team in baseball? To get back to the playoffs, I guess, is the bigger question. Um, that's what I'm looking at. I've seen nothing but, instance, their, their first month they weren't so hot, and then they were good for basically two months, and then they were bad for the rest. So we're basing 20 – people want to hold on to two good months and say that's the season. I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, to some extent, I, I understand where they're coming from because a team is really – is not just what they do when they're bad. On the other hand, they've been so bad for so long that you wonder if this isn't a team that can be can be even what they were in the first half again. Maybe that's it. Maybe they had their dead cat bounce. Maybe if you remember Tim Hudson in 2014, great for the first half, not especially good for the second half disaster in 2015. And maybe that's what we're looking at.
0: Yeah. And something like, um, no, I forgot what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. It's all bad, (laughs) but you know, you look at it and you, you go, well, what can they do? Well, let's just take a moment because really the, I feel like the focus of this Croncast is, you know, let's just put this season, which is over, in perspective um, and, and just say, you know, like this is the what I'm thinking about. What are the positives the Giants can take away from this from 2016? Well, uh... someone on Twitter, when I said the Giants core is rotten, which might be a slight exaggeration, but someone said Belt, Crawford and Posey all outperformed their Pocota projections, which is like the nerdiest freaking comment you can say in that situation. And ultimately, what does that mean? The team still lost. That's what matters. And we saw many situations where Posey, Belt, and Crawford really could have helped the team, and they didn't. I would say Crawford less. Crawford's actually had a very nice season um, all the way through. Uh, But Posey's looked like dust, sometimes and brandon belt has look, looked maybe the worst he's ever looked in his career which i feel like we say like every year with him <laughs> at some for some stretch but it's usually a month it's not two um so i don't know yes you look at his numbers on the whole Well, brandon belt's the top 10 first baseman all that stuff but he's just especially the last three weeks or last month? Has he even looked like a major league? He doesn't look like an, the all-star player. Uh, I mean, I'd say f- for, for September,
1: he's looked fine mostly like at, just as a baseball player, not as what you want out of Brandon belt, but you know, he's been getting on base fine. He's been hitting for a little bit of power. Like he could do better. I'm not saying that he's, he is an all-star, but he is a, a use. He has been a useful baseball player for about a month.
0: I think um, you take, I think you take, That that core that I set, those three names and you go, okay, great. Now let's let's get some players to have them be around, because that's what I'm kind of thinking is like they need someone who can accidentally knock a ball out of the park. You know, Ryan Schimpf hits home runs. I'm like, no one on the Giants can hit a home run like that. No one has that power on the team. Uh, Maybe they did. But where did it go? Is that joke about the strength and conditioning coach not as much of a joke. I mean, that's been there from the very beginning if we want to do a callback here. you so. know they've kind of given up on that one lately. so right. well, when you legitimately suck, it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> so I I so I guess you know for t- for next year, what is there really to say like or from this year what's there to say? That's great! I can't wait to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, it's if you look at the
1: offense, it's it's been Joe Panic, it's been to an extent Hunter Pence. Uh, it's been, Hunter you know, Pence there, has
0: been bad.
1: Hunter Pence has been bad. Joe Panic has been god awful.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, even you know, even before he got hurt, he was only okay, and since he's gotten back from that injury, he's been terrible. Hold on, are you getting?
0: Joe Panics. Well, I think he used to hit the ball harder than he even... That yeah. Since he's been back, he's not even hitting the ball hard. Yeah. He's uh, he's doing nothing right. And Joe Panik is tough. You know, he's played in 120 game, 121 games this year, and just, so that's the most. And I feel like it's a combination of the league is learning him. People are, you know, pe- he's basically playing more. It was always kind of a shock how well he did so quickly because he did he kind of played well and maybe a little bit better than what he was ever thought or projected to be and then injuries so some version of injuries scouting and just regression to a a mean we hadn't yet seen could all be factors in this and I'm willing to say that but yeah panic's been bad I think Eduardo Nunez has sort of stabilized into what he could be and maybe next year we might see some some actual hot, like really hot streaks from him. I think he's capable of that, but I think he's a great defender and he's got speed, which the giants don't really have a ton of, which is great. Um, I mean, yeah, people,
1: people focus on, on Matt Duffy, but honestly Nunez has been better this year than Duffy Nunez is better.
0: Yeah. Nunez is better. There's no question. Nunez is a better player. I mean, he has 40 stolen bases, which I'm pretty sure is double the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the outfield. No Pagan next year, which is great. But is Mac Williamson going to get a chance? Uh, because when we saw Mac Williamson playing consistently, we started to see a good player. Then he got hurt, and since he's been back, he hasn't really gotten a chance. Um, and Denard Span, is he going to be better than this? I think it's not a guarantee that he will be. Yeah, I
1: mean, I. It's hard to say. He's getting old. He he had that hip injury last year, and. Who knows if he ever really recovered from it? I'm not I mean, sure. He he's,
0: yeah, I don't think he steals, he doesn't steal bases anymore. His on base percentage is extraordinarily okay. I think if he was batting eighth, maybe, and the Giants had a bit, you know, if Nunez led off, maybe we would see some, you know, something a little more dynamic happening there um, offensively. Uh, actually, his on-base percentage is down to 330. So I think since our last CronCast, he's taken a huge nosedive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Span, span has been terrible
1: over the last yeah. couple of weeks.
0: Um, I believe, though, he still is out slugging Brandon Belt in the second half. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I, I'm i going to sit here and, and look it up while I, while I talk here. But, you know, Hunter Pence is probably career-wise – it's funny. It's it's not funny. It's scary to think this. Hunter Pence's career is almost over. Someone said in McCovey Chronicles the other day, I can't remember, I think it was L-Person, I think L-Person said, uh, in between snooty comments about television tastes, he said uh, that Buster Posey's career is half over, which is completely true, and is also weird to say out loud and think. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's uh, the, the Giants might extend that through playing him at first base at some point. But apparently not anytime soon, since Belt has a uh, five more years. Is it a five-year extension or a five-year contract? I don't
0: remember. Uh, it might have been a five-year extension yeah. or a five-year contract. Uh, anyway, the um, the so Belt has four or five years left for the Giants. Yes. Probably five. <laughs> well, I'm bringing up his. Con- I'm bringing him up right now. He's signed through 2021. Okay, so five more years after this. Five year. Five more years. Yeah. So let's let's get into his splits real quick it's, here. and has a better slugging percentage in the second half. Still, yeah, than he's belt. out slugging. He's out slugging Brandon belt and Denard span is, is not slugging terribly high. Yeah. Um, so the giants don't have any power. Um, and this year, the contact train uh, didn't really work in their favor, which to some degree, I'm kind of like, all right, I can see how you build the team around high contact. You're going to get p- potentially these years where like the batting average on balls in play are a little fluky, and you get unlucky, and that av- adversely affects the offense. Makes sense, right? They're not even hitting the ball hard.
1: Yeah, they're not. They're not doing any of the things you need to do to have success. And I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that the Giants know what the answer is.
0: I don't know that there is an answer. Maybe so, they need yeah. different players, right? Which they can't really do anything with that. They've just got to kind of write out these contracts that they have. There's not a lot they can change. Maybe trading Joe Panic for Andrew Miller would have been a bargain. That's the, that's the thing. If folks, if you hadn't read that, John Heyman reports that the Yankees looked at the Giants entire organization and, and basically as a joke, they just said, fine, give us Joe Panic," And that's the only one we'd want. And the Giants balked at that. Now I think we would, we would have probably done that deal knowing it would have screwed them going forward. But what it, I mean, they're not getting rid of Ari Adronza anytime soon. And they're not getting rid of Kel- Kelby Tomlinson. So there's your second base. So. And then, I mean, and then what would have happened is
1: Duffy would have come back. Who knows if he would have still had to have surgery though, but, and Nunez could have played second.
0: Or yeah. And Nunez could have played second. Or you could have still done all the, those moves and you still would have done, you would have done another move. Yeah. Could have done that as well. Uh, oh, well, we'll never know. We very- and who knows, as Grant points out, just because they got Andrew Miller doesn't mean that all those key blown saves wouldn't have been blown saves. Maybe, but,
1: maybe maybe Andrew Miller is a conformist. And he says,
0: well, <laughs>
1: if, if it's the cool thing to do.
0: Yeah, or just that whole thing of whoever's pitching the ninth and whoever's hitting third this year on the Giants is cursed. It's like the second baseman left field thing the alien that's infected those positions the last five or six years has spread changed into number three spot and, uh, and, and closer. Yeah. Cause Pagan has stayed healthy for most of the year and panic played 120 games, 121 games. <laughs> so basically the, and the giants have a little tiny bit of death depth in second base so, really, maybe that's what happened. The Giants fixed their problem, but there's always going to be two problem spots <laughs> on the roster somewhere that's always going to move around. Maybe that's what they did. I don't know. Maybe. That's, like, the worst place for those two to be in, though. Right? <laughs> like, oh, the, the curse spots are the one – is the main drives in the runs and the one that gets the last three outs of the game. <laughs> that's the worst – spots to be cursed in so yeah
1: those, those are the worst those huh? are bad ones <laughs> yeah.
0: uh i guess the other thing um real quick or, or also to look forward to next year is johnny cueto johnny cueto is delightful yeah. uh, our final year with johnny cueto yep
1: and good for him uh, for getting out and getting yeah. more money
0: yeah, absolutely and I still think, hey, the Giants in the offseason, if they're really aggressive, they might be able to move him for something. You know, whether they move Belt, Panic, Cueto, anyone they were to move this year, it's going to be for pennies on the dollar. But at least if you're moving Cueto, you're doing it. You know, that team might give a tiny little bit back because they're getting the full year with him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess Samarja, because the Giants are going to have him for for, for, four, <laughs> for four more years. <laughs> Um, that you know Samarja looking you know kind of salvaging his season in in a nice way pretty impressively I would say Um, that's something to look forward to that maybe that hope of the first month of the Giants season where the Giants had three really great one or number two starters that's a good thing that's a good starting point maybe Matt Moore and then it's four but you know know, more maybe and then some I don't I feel like Suarez is going to be that guy that the Giants are like great we have a number five starter and then he's put in full time and it's like nope it's a disaster <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't expect much out of Suarez next yeah. year and Ty Block I don't know the jury's still out I think we haven't even really talked about his start yesterday which we probably should and so let's do that right now but I mean like the starting rotation I would say that's probably a bright spot to think about going into next year there's not a lot they could do to improve it anyway if they wanted to. But I would say between their, they've gutted the farm, so that's out of the the equation. Well, no, Maybe from
1: their top their top pitching prospects are still there. I mean, Mejia wasn't ever going to be a special right. pitcher. They sure. still have Tyler sure. Beedy, um, who could be. I mean, it's not hugely likely, but he, you know, that's still there. Well, for... if
0: if Moore and Samarja don't, if it doesn't carry over to next year, essentially. right? Well, Moore doesn't really have to carry over, but you know, they're not, there's not a lot of coverage there. It's not a lot of free agency that they can handle there. So rotation-wise, some offensive pieces, these are all things to look forward to. This feels a lot like the Mets after they had those two back-to-back years where they just collapsed in the end. Right. Uh, the only problem is that they took like seven years to get good again. <laughs> uh, I would say that I would hope that Brian's that Bobby Evans is better than um, Omar Minaya. Than Omar Minaya. Yeah. And I would say that's uh, probably it's not, you know, and Brian Sabian's still there and I I don't put it past Brian Sabian to you know go in one night while everyone's asleep and just burn the whole place down <laughs> and start in it like just to come back down into the position for like one more year and just be like, "Nope. <laughs> I'm remaking this in my image again." Um, what's Freddie Sanchez doing? He's our second baseman. (laughs) (laughs) Someone call him our Infante. He's got two good (laughs) months. Right. Which, which I think we all talked about. That would have been a totally giants move to have done. And they didn't do that this year. So, you know, who knows? Uh, so I guess we should talk about tie blocks start because it was something, it was like one of the few things to actually be excited about at the end of the Giants' season.
1: Yeah, so Ty Block, um, in the minors, he's a strike thrower. He's the the sort of, he's a, a lower grade, that's not an insult necessarily, because I'm about to say he's a lower grade Tom Glavin-ish hmm. kind, of, kind of player, um, which is, you know, he doesn't, he's not necessarily going for the strikeouts. It's his movement, it's control, it's command, it's, it's inducing weak contact, it's just never walking anyone, and then good things happen. And yeah. in his start yesterday, what you saw was that he didn't have the control. You know, he was and he was throwing 93 at times, which he doesn't. Ty Block, I have seen Ty Block throw a lot of times this year. He doesn't throw 93. That was nerves. He was overamped. It's like uh, Albert Suarez's first start with, with the Giants. He, he was throwing 96, and I had seen Albert Suarez pitch once in Triple A, and I just looked at it and said, "Nope, that is that is <laughs> not going to last." um and so block is i would expect more 90 ish from him than 93 but i would also expect better ability to place the ball where he wants uh but it you know the the bright side from the start was that he really did battle and he got through it you know he didn't it wasn't a good start he went three innings which isn't anything impressive but he just managed to gut it out and get just gave up base runners and they didn't score and got ground balls at the right time. And in some ways he was like the anti giants because he actually did leave the game winning.
0: (laughs) Uh, He pitched in relief also earlier in the week, which was another reason why he didn't really, he threw a lot of pitches obviously in his start, but there's another reason why they didn't like push him to a hundred. But when he came in in relief, And he he pretty much did this in his start, too. I liked his pace. Yeah. No, he has a great pace. Yeah. He's he's really thin right now. And so just glancing, meaning I'd half look and then go back to, you know, stabbing myself because I was watching a Giants game. Um, He... He also vaguely, and it's not a, there's nowhere near a one to one comparison here. Vaguely reminded me of like Alex Wood. And I literally am thinking thin left handed pitcher, (laughs) white, thin white left handed pitcher. His, his delivery is not, uh, it it looks great. There's nothing wrong with it. He just seemed, I think it's because he's so thin. There's, it's like kind of wide. There's something about it that stands out as well. Um, he didn't have crisp stuff in his start, but in his relief appearance, his slider was really working. Uh, it looked really good. Or is it a curveball? I guess it's a it's a sharp curve.
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, his his chained up is the the best pitch. I, it might be a
0: slider.
1: I'm not sure. Brooks' baseball wasn't working earlier when I was just checking it. So,
0: but in his uh, but in his relief appearance, the pace plus just it was diving out of the strike zone. I mean, they were not even close to the strike zone. But, you know, it was still fooling hitters. Uh, And I think a combination of not getting a couple of close calls, Trevor Brown not being quite as good of a pitch ramer as Buster Posey, and, yeah, the nerves and all that stuff, and the fact that the Padres' AAA team is better than the Giants' (laughs) major league team, I think it was all just kind of like, you know, a a perfect storm of he's going to throw a lot of pitches. Also, Will Myers in the third inning, I think, worked a 14 or 15 pitch at bat just kept fouling off pitches and you know block does not have a second level on his fastball and even by that point he was topping out at 90 91 you are not going to go go high on on will myers but i liked that he was challenging him in because usually you see a call up and he just nibbles and stays away he was going in and on will myers i feel like that's a good strategy because people pitch him away and he's able to launch him uh, and so it seemed like he caught myers by surprise uh, by going in, like not, he was busting him, trying to bust him in on the hands, but just the fact that he was throwing inside at all was seemed to keep Myers off balance a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, it was, that was that was exciting. And he did in the end strike Will Myers
0: out, so. Yeah, and so between, it's, you know, Suarez is a little bit more of the typical nibble, nibble, nibble guy, but he, he throws a little bit harder. His pitches feel, look, I should say, a little bit heavier. Uh, and he's got that curveball. But I still like that he's able to challenge hitters occasionally too. So, you know, in terms of what the Giants could have, strike-throwing pitchers who challenge the hitters, that's a lot better position to be in than a lot of these other teams where they just have these young guys who nibble and never challenge and get into a lot of trouble. Um, So that was encouraging. There, I'll take that. There, that's it. (laughs) That's the encouraging thing. Uh, We were going to have Tim Goodman from The Hollywood Reporter, formerly of the San Francisco Chronicle, join us. He has ghosted us very well, very politely. Um, But in any case, we wanted to bring him on to talk about um, long-running TV shows and why after seven or eight years, they all kind of just get bad and they just run out of steam. And I was going to try to relate that to the Giants because – if you didn't know, I'm counting the window as 2009 uh, because they were really good that year. And they were they if they could have hit the ball in the last month of the season, uh, they probably would have been in the playoffs. And then their pitching was so great. Who knows? Um, but I'm kind of saying so that was season one, essentially, of the Giants as a show, you know, and season two is pretty great. Right. <laughs> Love season two. Yeah, season three is interesting because they have the new costumes and then it has that big mid-season twist. But then they you brought in the new character, Carlos Beltran. Uh, Bo- uh, Bo- brought so, back
1: a, someone from the, the previous that's show. Right.
0: Brian that's, right. You know, that's right. You know, is a spin-off of
1: something else. And that's right. Like <laughs> 10 years later, like, let's bring this guy back. And it worked.
0: Yeah, and it totally worked. Uh, or he was like a character from another show <laughs> that you integrated into it. Who, maybe that's what it is uh and so season three was interesting too season four they are like well what do we do now with this team well let's have them win it again <laughs> and 2004 you put a you put some challenges in their way you put them you know they have to basically come from behind in every series that's exciting you put the cardinals in there as the villain you know yeah, Matt, uh, yeah. Matt holiday is sort of the dastardly yeah. jerk that's right that's right um and so you've got the you know, marco scudero You know, you really you stick it to another fan base by bringing in one of their favorites (laughs) to be the hero on your show. (laughs) So you know, season four that's great. Season five, season five was good for half the season, and then and then Angel Pagan. Then they they had that contract dispute or whatever or whatever the character. They start writing less to Angel Pagan or having him in, and then the second half of the season it kind of tanks. Well,
1: I I think I think he left to do a movie.
0: Yeah, he left to do a His movie. So that's right he was, off, so he was, he was like, that's right. I'm gonna come <laughs> back in three months. <laughs> so season five was disappointing, so they had to really work hard for season six. And season six was like sort of improbable, I think we'd all agree. Yeah. Uh, season
1: six there were you know that it's not that we didn't enjoy
0: what was happening, but you're like, they're kinda of losing it a little bit. Right, right. They're kind of it's getting a little ridiculous here. But at the end it kind of solidified that, hey, this is a great show. Yeah. Yeah like th- despite its flaws the characters are memorable there's been some really great episodes and then season 7 happens and it's like oh are they going to be able to top season 6 because it kind of is going that way even though it has its flaws there's stuff that's in- entertaining about it and then it just falls apart at the end to the point that it kind of leaves a bitter taste in your mouth and so now the writers like well all right well we've got we've got we've got to do another season of the show and now we're in season 8 and i think you'd agree season 8 was a little rocky, then they kinda hit their groove, had some classic stuff in there that we all liked, and then just it's been total garbage. Yes. It's just it's just <laughs> it's it's fallen all apart. They're like, well let's let's uh let's and
1: then they just wrote the season without finishing the sentence.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh and I it's like they it's sort of like Buffy season six. Let's let's just make our characters miserable. Right. And then at the end, maybe we'll pull out some element of hope. And we have to hope that the Giants writers are going to do that. But my God, it doesn't look like they're really interested in doing that.
1: I, I will say this. If uh, if I'm trying to think who is the most unlikely one, not not unlikely, the most appropriate one to do it. If Brandon Belt pulls out a yellow crayon in the, in the <laughs> middle of like the third inning on Sunday, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> okay. I'm like, you know what? If something –
0: if something entertaining happens, <laughs> the Giants are finally entertaining. So that's what we're kind of looking at, folks. I mean, the Giants have had a good run if you just look back at it. So as someone who follows the team but has a lot going on elsewhere <laughs> elsewhere in my life, and Doug, you're the same. Like, we write about the Giants. We watch the Giants. It's frustrating. I'm spending three, three and a half hours. I'm not even Grant in this case where I'm writing up most of these games, but just think about it. Yeah. No, yeah, we're spending it. We're investing in a lot of time and they're not going to be good for a while. What is the point? We have all these great memories. We do. I mean, if,
1: <laughs> if, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite as sold that they're not going to be good for a while. I think it's entirely possible that they are, but they're, they need to figure out what went wrong. And I'm not sure that they know, like, I'm not sure. I know. I'm not sure anyone knows really. Um, but they, they have to fix It it seems like the hitting just doesn't leave in the bullpen and the bullpen sort of collapses sometimes. And then it just, it all adds up to a a picture of a team that just can't do anything right. And they need to, they need to figure out confidence, I guess. They need to figure out something, whatever it is that went wrong. I, I know it's, it's pretty obvious to say they should fix what went wrong, but I'm not sure anyone knows. And so
0: I think everyone has a hand in yeah. it. Yeah, everyone's to blame. Everyone's. And these, I mean, because I I love what you said. I think the the offense doesn't trust the bullpen or the pitching to finish it out. So maybe they press a little bit harder, but then they also are just in on top of pressing. It's just harder. You know, people have scouted them. Their bat speeds have slowed down. Maybe they're dealing with nagging injuries. Who knows? But it's 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 a struggle to score. Bochy is take, got to take the rap here for running Santiago Casilla out there repeatedly and making pitching changes just because the book says it is, it's good to do so. I mean, it's kind of funny that the giants have lost some crucial games because of matchups and defensive shifts. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, this is not me saying like, and that's why sabermetrics sucks. I'm just saying the uh, the argument that you're going to win more games than you lose I'm like I agree with that because on the whole that's true but it's also kind of like well driving a car is or flying in an airplane is more is safer than driving a car yeah but when there's a plane crash everybody dies <laughs> so it's a little bit different than that but it's essentially you know the giants have been bit you know they can't Win if they try. They can't win if they don't try. It's just nothing works. But Bochi's pitching decisions, you know, aren't always going to work. And when you make more of them, (laughs) probably you're going to run into more where they don't work. So he's got to accept some responsibility, the front office, for not, you know, if the game, if they close out some of these big games in the second half, yeah, maybe it has a ripple effect confidence wise.
1: Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe the hitters start believing in the team again. Maybe they think, Maybe they start thinking, I don't have to be a hero. I don't have to try to hit every ball out and then just roll every ball over weekly to second base. I'm assuming these chips yeah, are all left-handed.
0: Right. So cynically, I would also add in that uh, it's possible that, oh, well, Bochy's never going to pull Casilla from that spot no matter what he does. So maybe I don't have to try as hard if I'm struggling or do not have to worry about it as much. Because it seems like panic is a good... Uh, worry anxiety is what baseball players sort of thrive on that they all seem anxious amped up. And if they don't really fear they're going to lose their jobs, that could have, that could also be another thing where they're, I'm kind of getting back into that moral argument. I don't want to, I'm just saying uh, these decision decisions from the top have effects. They have a ripple effect down below performance from below works its way up. And maybe it's just this big echo chamber or feedback loop that the Giants are stuck in where everyone's shitty and making the stupidest ass decisions or just everyone's, you know, not doing great this year with the thinking. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just a bad brain year. It's, yeah, um, everything is just bad, I
1: think, is what we've learned.
0: Yeah. So the Giants are terrible and uh, and maybe it has something to do with no Taylor Swift album. <laughs> If you didn't see that ringer article about the about the Giants, but, you know, as her fortunes have turned, perhaps so have the Giants.
1: That's true. I mean, um, and let's let's not forget Kanye, you know, Kanye proposed to Kim at AT&T Park. So maybe this is a grand conspiracy. Maybe we're all just pawns yeah. in some bigger scheme we don't even see.
0: <laughs> well, if you don't know what article I'm referring to, it's uh, on the ringer, which is Bill Simmons uh, escape from ESPN Site, it was written by Michael Bauman, and uh, basically, Taylor Swift controls the fate of the San Francisco Giants. And then the sub, the lead is Guess what? They're screwed,
1: (laughs) which you were (laughs) in as soon as you saw that. You were like, Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, This is written just for me. Uh, but basically, you know, Kim Kardashian recording Taylor Swift, making you know, saying one thing and then publicly saying another, and Swift not having an album this year basically the giants are doomed because now our fortune she's cursed. And so the giants are cursed. And, uh, I can't say I disagree. It's, it's as good an explanation as anything else.
1: Yeah. T Swift related. Point. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, you know, who was um, a big fan of Taylor Swift, Gary Brown. Gary
0: Brown. Oh. Not a lot of
1: people know that, but yeah, he, uh, he was.
0: And he's gone. And He's gone. So he is gone.
1: He's, he's, he's all right. Well, in Indie ball, <laughs>
0: I guess the other piece of news to talk about is that the Giants are going to be featured maybe weekly, maybe not, but they're going to be featured on a new television show, uh, a baseball TV show, which is better than you might think. But uh, that's kind of exciting. And I'm looking forward to tracking the fictional uh, Giants because they seem like they're going to be as badly entertaining as the actual Giants. (laughs) Yeah. Did you watch? You watched Pitch. right? Did. Do you have yes. a review? I
1: thought it was good. I liked it. Um, I yeah. mean, some of the baseball was very fakie looking,
0: but yeah. Um, well, it was literally a CGI baseball in, yeah. in a lot of spots. No, it was yeah. that.
1: That was yeah. yeah. That's never a good look. That's just
0: also the. But it was it was pretty true to life that the Giants thought they had a home run and then it just died at the wall <laughs> in Petco. Yeah, that was very giant. It was very gianty. Uh, they picked the right team for that. <laughs> All right, so let's get to your Twitter questions. Um, ah, oh, one of the last of the season. Yeah. Um, although this is a, effectively the last relevant podcast <laughs> for the season cuz the Giants are done and next this week is a formality at this point. Anyway, uh so do you have them? So, uh the first question which we got from several people.
1: <laughs> why? <laughs> Guys, we don't we tried- know.
0: We tried very hard to give all the possibilities. But
1: w- when want. it comes down to it, we we, we don't we don't.
0: Know. Yeah, uh, for once though, we are probably closer to the truth than than we know because even the people behind the scenes don't know. That's,
1: yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: So and and we are here on this Croncast Are a big believer that the people at you know we know that the people in the front office know way more than we do. But not this year. No, no, not this year. <laughs> So, suck it, smarty pantses who worked hard for a long yeah. time and are just trying to make our favorite team good. That'll learn you. To apply this to real life, like isn't you know baseball in real life they get those comparisons all the time, or like we we can use baseball to explain real life. Isn't this every adult's worst fear
1: that everyone's just going to suddenly you, look at you and be like, "Oh, you're a fraud."
0: Yes. Well, I didn't even (laughs) thought of that. Yes, that's the main one. Absolutely. I was thinking more along the lines of you bust your ass and you work as hard as you know you're possibly capable of doing for a year of your life. And it blows up in your face. And it like (laughs) you are a failure. Um, You know, I think what you said earlier about, you know, people want to just judge them for how they that they've lost like that defines them. But I will say the the Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead in the finals will be their defining trait. And I can't, you know, 30 years from now, if I'm alive, which maybe I won't be, maybe you won't be, I don't know, Doug. Um, self-driving cars? Who knows? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, look back at the 2016 Giants, this is going to be, that's what they're going to be known for. They're going to be known for being the best team at the all-star break and having an eight game lead in the NL West and not making the playoffs. I mean, there, there is a way to fix
1: that though. And the way to fix that is to win in the future. People like p- people remem- will remember that team, but they will also not care that much if they win at some point, unless it's the last time the
0: giants are in playoff contention for 30 years, which is also a possibility. <laughs> right,
1: But I mean, remember the, the Red Sox had that enormous collapse in 2011 uh, and no one talks about it now because they won two years later. That's right. Uh, the, That's right. And by the way, no
0: one also talks about the Braves collapse that year, which was worse, probably. The Braves are such a catastrophe, though. I mean, the, they then went on to have the Kimbrel uh, disaster. Yeah. When they, when they got back to the playoffs. Then they, they choked it away That then. And, uh, and now they're irrelevant, and they're bilking taxpayers
1: out of hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: Yeah. So I guess then Giants, all right, Giants, if this is the way you want to play it, now you just have to win the World Series in the next two yeah. years. I think that's fair. That's a fair thing to do. Yeah. There's your next article. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Giants, here, I've reached the stage of bargaining. You can blow the season and be a complete embarrassment to the organization and the city. All you have to do is win the World Series in the next 48 months. Yeah. So, or, or 24 months. So, clock's right. ticking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, all right. What's our next question?
1: Next question comes from Nat at NATO. He asks, uh, McCovey Chronicles own NATO. He is better than us. He asks, mm-hmm. "When does basketball start?" NATO. You're a Warriors fan. You shouldn't want want it to start.
0: No, he should not. Because <laughs> the Warriors could take a step back too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um. I mean. And then if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I kind of just want to pause Doug and I speaking and just put in a laugh track for two minutes because only in the only in the NBA is that, like, you know, certain teams are never going to like the Milwaukee Bucks are never winning an NBA championship. The Sacramento Kings are never winning an NBA championship. (laughs) It's never happened. You know that in hockey, too. The Sharks are never winning a championship. The, the Sharks getting there. I mean, yeah, the Sharks had to be someone had to lose. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. The Sharks will probably never win either. I, I like the Sharks, though, because I, I think most of us would take an Atlanta Braves like, well, at least you're in the playoffs every year. Right. You know, you've built you've built an organization that can do that. And I feel like the Sharks, the Sharks, you know, self-immolated themselves, you know, self-immolated because they're like, ah, we're chokers. And they just blew it up, but they're right back to it now. And they're they're a talented organization. Um, but, yeah, they didn't blow a 3-1 lead in the finals. They did not. I mean, they have blown a 3 nothing lead in the first That's right, round, but, but not, not in the a 3 lead in the finals. In the finals. Yeah, That's they did right. not have a lead in the finals. They did not blow a 3-1 lead based in part because one of their players is obsessed with punching people in the dick. <laughs> Either, which I feel, again, is an, is worth mentioning every time. I do feel anyway. like
1: also we should mention that LeBron does not get nearly enough crap for begging the league to suspend
0: him. Grow up. Right, right, baby. Right. I mean, all the credit to the Cavs and LeBron for that game seven. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 I mean, the three wins they had, obviously they beat the warriors, but you know, game seven, especially they really stepped it up. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else do we got? All right. Uh, from, uh, let's say
1: scout out at scout six asks list of best activities to do instead of giants games.
0: <laughs> um, well, stabbing yourself. That's what I do. Yeah.
1: Cut, cutting your <laughs> toenails is a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But- Let's see. Anything? Uh, some t- catch-up on TV shows. Catch-up on TV
1: shows. Uh, I, I read The Canterbury Tales. Just finished that.
0: Oh, nice. It's very long. Uh, I like – it has a lot of fart jokes in there. There
1: are several fart jokes, which
0: I appreciate. Uh, as Loud as a Thunderclap is the one I clearly remember. <laughs> yeah.
1: There,
0: which is a great one. I, well, I
1: remember the one where uh, where a woman tricks a guy into kissing her ass, and then, yes. and then she farts in the face.
0: Yes. that's that's good that was the canterbury tales is not punching up or down that was like punching you know just the person next to you there's very very body very very (laughs) uh oh i wanted to mention there's plenty of good tv shows out this year this new this season the good place i recommend yes the good place is Uh, delightful yeah uh, speechless on ABC with Mini Driver. Um, I'm a big fan of Mini Driver in general, but I like the storyline. It's basically about a helicopter parent, but she thinks she has a great reason for being so overprotective. It's because her son um, has a disability and he actually doesn't speak, so she has to like kind of do everything for him. He's in a wheelchair and all that stuff. But I like s- seeing new ideas on TV because representation is important. But also, it's just it helps. You find better ideas, more interesting things that get down on, on uh, Netflix, uh, another entertaining show. Um, so I recommend those 2 I'm trying to think of something else real quick. Oh, and if you haven't seen Fargo, watch Fargo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, What's next?
1: From... Uh Oh, from from Nathan James at Side Out Par. What's your favorite Trader Joe's product that isn't always in stock? Mine are the sesame slash chia protein bars. I just ate my last one. Ah, <laughs> they
0: don't have the bruschetta all the time. They don't. Which is annoying because if you take the, their lentils and their bruschetta and you mix them together, it's a really good like part of a meal. Um, it tastes really good. They,
1: you know, I don't. They usually have most of the things that I want. They were they were really out of basil last time I was there, but
0: um I don't know. I Feel like fresh produce yeah. that's every store. Well, that's well fresh
1: not. produce they're not that good with anyway. Has been yeah. my experience. Like that they're like yeah. they're they're phenomenal with like frozen stuff, but
0: uh Yeah, they they really are their meatballs. Oh my gosh, their turkey meatballs. Yes. Yeah, and they have they have like uh, this
1: frozen Indian food that that are really Yeah, awesome.
0: that's really good. Shockingly. Like, yeah. They also have these um, these pastries, like almond um, pastries that you have to leave out overnight, and they, they get plump, and then you put them in the oven. Oh, they're delicious. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the Trader Joe's question. Um, well, let's ask – how about this one? Uh, at LB37, was killing the headphone jack a mistake, Apple? You
1: know, I don't think it was. I think they're going to get what they want out of it. Our money? our money i mean not not my money because uh i would rather be uncomfortable than give the money for something that i don't like
0: well that's the only thing i yeah like just on principle i'm yeah i'm not doing it because of on principle and but so that to me it's it's a mistake because now i have to go back to android <laughs> which oh that's the other thing i already use an android so it doesn't yeah. really affect me uh, there are some good Android phones out there, and the new iPhone, I'm not getting, because I'm not going to charge my... If I go on a transatlantic flight, I don't have to charge my headphones right. twice no, during the flight. Come on. Yeah, which some snooty Apple fanatic is going to be like, well, you're not going to use them the whole time anyway. It's not that big a deal. And the proper response to that is, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just shut up. Don't tell me how to use my yeah, phone. just... Just shut up. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, I feel like we have another, we have a, here's another question at Fred Mercury Vest asks boxers or briefs. Um, I go, I go boxers. I feel too constricted in briefs. Yeah. I, bo- uh, boxers, but mainly boxer briefs.
1: Yeah. That's a popular answer.
0: Yeah. Well, it's,
1: it's a good, <laughs> it's a good, a good one. And then uh, let's see. Uh, oh, somebody asked, uh, tell us about Tim Tebow. No, fuck you. Uh,
0: (laughs) well, I have some, I have a thought on that. Who cares? Stop making a big deal out of it. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the only reason it's a big deal is because he's famous already.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like he's taking someone's job. He has the right to, work wherever he wants and someone's willing to pay him for it. I don't see what the big deal is. He's going to make it or not. If he makes it to the big leagues, it's not because it's of his name. Right. That's not how it works. And I don't think even, I don't think a team, even the Mets (laughs) would sign him just because of who he is. Well, there you have
1: it. Somebody (laughs) actually proclaiming faith in the Mets.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying like, even the Mets would not, spend money on someone who's just like, what is he going to do for them in the minor league system? He will sell jerseys. Will he? Yes. He's already selling but jerseys. How does that help the Mets? Is what I'm saying? It helps the minor league team. No, he, he Mets jerseys on the Mets store. Well, that's Craven. But even then it's like, it's so they're, they're going to, it seems like they're going to break even on the transaction then, but maybe even not because they're going to have to, you know, per diem and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I I don't don't know. I don't
0: don't know. It just seems like people are, I feel like making a big deal out of it either way is stupid.
1: I'm just not sure why I'm expected to care.
0: Yes. But someone asked the question, Doug. So we had to care in that moment. Moving (laughs) on. (laughs) Okay.
1: Um, and then Rob, Rob Hainer asked, what's the greatest TV show of all time?
0: I have to give the white guy answer here. Well, it's the wire, but I can explain why, but I would say the wire, the wire and mad men and breaking bad are three of the greatest TV shows ever made.
1: Okay. Uh, I was going to say the secret
0: diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. It's Desmond Pfeiffer. Yes. So um, that's, that's a good UPN cut. That is. Uh, I believe that show came on after Homeboys from Outer Space. <laughs> it, it might
1: have. I mean, the it, it's it's tough to remember. There are so many good UPN shows that <laughs> the
0: UPN Tuesday night lineup, or maybe that was Thursday night. I can't quite remember. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, The Wire is the closest that we have to. It plays like a documentary in a lot of ways. I guess I should say stylistically. It feels very real, even though it is clearly scripted and written and you yep. know dramatized and whatever. But it it respects all the characters in the show, and it fleshes it fully develops, even the side characters who somehow then become important like two seasons later. You know, everyone gets a moment. We have an idea of who everyone is, um, and it treats good guys, bad guys, however you want to define them, it just treats them as human beings. And it's all, they're all three-dimensional and it's great. And it's, it's powerful. It's emotional. No, that's, I I mean, that, that is obviously the answer. Yeah. And everything else, I mean, everything else, it's sort of like anything that you're going to throw up there probably uh, is going to be great. And it's going to be, the reason why I still feel like the wire is on a a level of its own is like everything, every other show that people are going to going to name the artifice of it being a television show will be very apparent. Whereas the wire, you could be mistaken sometimes for it feeling very like you're, you're really watching something that happened. Um, And I feel like that's just the biggest difference is that it's able to cross straddle that line between the two. Also, season four is devastating, and and it's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's it's really tough. Man, poor Randy. Yeah, this uh, this has been kind of you know this is this giant season has been as close to season four of The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, we're all Randy. That's right, but uh, not in the British way that's right uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen also uh doug and grant were on kqed last week trying to explain uh to the public radio audience why the giants were terrible are terrible and what they can do so we listen were- to that
1: yes go listen to that it go was listen fun to that
0: yeah uh search kqed and doug brazoni that'll come up <laughs> uh all right where can they find you online if they want to at you and say, You're, "You sound really interesting. I would like you to come onto my show. Uh, you can find me online uh, on Twitter at Moonwalk McFly. Brian, what, where can they find you? Well, they, they can find me in an alleyway crying and trying to smash my head open with a garbage can because of the giants. That's where they can find me. No yeah, that's er- a place: Yeah, every sixth day on the alleyway filled with trash called Twitter. Um, <laughs> there we go we'll be back next week to uh recap the end of the giant season uh officially but also we'll have a special guest and we will we'll talk about something better so uh thanks for listening and again hug your loved ones appreciate what you have and um and thanks again for appreciating us because we wouldn't keep doing this if you didn't thank you (laughs) all right good night